Tony, what are the two biggest questions in your mind right now today uh, uh, surrounding PXG? As simple as possible. It's weird. it's weird that you can complete an entire sentence in six letters. But if you're wondering kind of like what the big question is, it's like PXG, WTF. PXG, WTF. You can also and... WTF, comma, PXG. Whichever way you like ways. it. Like, like, like the logo itself. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is Tony Covey. I'm Chris Nickel. I'm How you living, everybody? You're Tony Covey. I'm Chris Nickel. We're no putts given. Tony, how you living today? Doing well. I, uh, you know, getting by as usual. I got the yips. What? But, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about that later? Because I got oh, I got is, some questions. There is there is no scenario in which I cannot three putt, maybe a four putt. We're going to talk about PXG. We got some questions. I have a throwback question for you. That start though, Tony. We will get to PXG stuff here in a second. But uh, we released a video Monday, new retro stuff where we take old equipment. This one we took what Titleist nine seventy five D and the new Titleist TSR three. <laughs> Looking at, hey, what difference does 20 years make? A lot is the point. You can watch the video. We'll post the link in there. But, Tony, two questions. Number one, what is the oldest piece of equipment in your bag to date? <laughs> and, and second question, what slot in the bag? Like, if you were to survey really, really good players, what's the oldest piece of equipment maybe you've seen somebody play or have? And you're like, dang. That's pretty that's pretty darn incredible. So what's the oldest one in your bag right now today? Uh I think in my bag it's probably <laughs> it's a toss-up, but it's all it's all new stuff this year. So it's either the PXG Gen 5 irons or it's Moki SM9 uh, SM9 wedges. So I did have so as as I mentioned, I've been a little yippy and my chipping has kind of sucked of late too. And so Yesterday, I was playing the back nine by myself, burned through nine holes in an hour. Um, and on, on 16, on my way to making just a, a horrendously awful double bogey, um, I, I left a chip short. Like, not short, but it was like on the green, but just yeah. kind of barely. And so I, I reached in and pulled out what was, at the time, the oldest piece of equipment I had in my possession just okay. like a Spalding Bolada ball. <laughs> like I just picked it up like months ago and just every now and then right. whack it down and hit it. And then I uh, I think I was so frustrated with the way I played, I think I left it on the 16th green. I like I don't think I picked it up. So there you go. That was it. Like a really old Bolada ball was in my possession. But mm. By and large, you don't see, I mean, you see bad players with a lot of old equipment. I get that. But I think it's pretty rare to see <laughs> good players with with old equipment in in some regards i got one guy plays in our wednesday night league up until last year he switched this year but up until last year he was using an old like i think it was an sso3 sonar tech three oh, yeah. and, and i think he, i think that's the answer to your question too it's going to be like a, a three wood, three hybrid, wood or, five yeah because i find not a ton of the better players i play with carry even a five wood Definitely not seven woods, although I think they're making huge mistakes there because that, as I said, is a cheater. Cheat code. Cheat code. Uh, but they all like their they all like their utility irons, their driving irons. They're like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's oh, the that's the magic for those guys. 
Um, but yeah, I think I think three wood. Whatever the fair, like one of the fairway woods is yeah. very likely going to be the oldest. I would still play a, a original rocket balls. That thing was ridiculous for its time. Yeah, I mean that for was sure. one of those. Hey, this this advanced the category a lot. Yeah, a lot. Um, maybe I mean think about it. Maybe one of the last to do so because I think I think the era of big gains is over. Oats. Thanks, USGA. That's Vince awesome. Carter. Vince Carter. It's over. I was thinking right. about this yesterday as I oh, was geez. slamming stuff in my trunk to get the hell off the golf course. But I'm like, what is what does golf equipment look like in in say 30 years? So if you compare what golf equipment looked like 30 years ago to us today, I mean, it's radically radically different. And if you go 30 years before that, radically different still. Mm-hmm. 30 years from now with everything kind of being not only maxed out, but at a time when the USGA is like, mm, you know what, let's, let's roll this back. Let's, let's if take anything. some distance out of the ball and the clubs and let's make them less forgiving. I mean, I, I don't know that 30 years from now, anything looks radically different than it does today. That's a, I mean, remember looking at Moad where the yeah. mother of all drivers. Yeah. Uh, some of this concept car kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't know how, yeah, much of that. I mean, could we do a retro golf in, in 20 years? And now we're comparing stuff, you know, 20 years apart. Like if we did flash forward, you know, 20 years from now, and we were to do a retro golf looking, you know, comparing today's Titleist TS, TSR3 to whatever, assuming Titleist is still making TSR drivers in 2033. Yeah, saying. like uh, what, are, what are we going to see? I, I mean, God, that's, I don't know. I don't know. But Tony. New shaft materials, maybe. I don't know. New shafts. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But the real purpose uh, of today, we want to talk a little bit. We got PXG on our PXG. Hats. We decided um, to have a, a PXG-focused show. PXG-a-thon. Because there's layers to this. I always say, yeah, it's, it's the Big, seven layer Big, stinky onion. Big, stinky onion. There are layers to this. We're going to try to peel some of them uh back tony what are the two biggest questions in your mind right now today uh, uh surrounding pxg so we can put some context on this so people can kind of follow our discussion here because it might wander a little bit but if we were to post okay, <laughs> here really want as simple as possible i want it's, i want people it's to, weird it's weird that you can complete an entire sentence in six letters but if you're wondering kind of like what the big question is it's like pxg WTF. <laughs> okay. I mean it's it's yeah, all over the map, right? With the so there's new releases and some I would say in I mean I'm going on probably plus or minus twelve years at my golf spy and mm-hmm. relative to market averages, discount pricing, I have never ever seen anything like what they're doing with the previous what is now the previous O to eleven stuff. I mean that's insane and so, so that that just that starts a whole snowball of other questions like are they going out of business is it trash it's <laughs> yeah and it's it's really sort of okay depending so, on perspective of pxg and where your mindset is and how you feel about that company to begin with i think so the two questions we're going to try to answer or at least facilitate some conversation around number one pxg wtf question wtf mark. yes you can also and, wtf comma pxg <laughs> Whichever way you like ways. it. Like, like, like the logo itself. Like, it's just whatever you want. image. Yeah. Secondarily, 
let's qualify that a little bit from looking at its business model, the history of it a little. We've both been around and following, really studying, if you will, the company literally since its inception and uh, and, and maybe have a different perspective on that as a result of seeing you know, like the trailer out at Scottsdale National, what used to be the uh, construction trailer long before it was this grandiose mecca of uh, of golf, um, you know, that it is today. So before we try to answer the question, what, you know, what's going on with it today, I think you have to at least give us a 30 second, you know, elevator pitch. What was PXG in, you know, minute one, when it hit the ground, its first business model out of the gate super extra ultra uber premium clubs and you know some of that is just defined by the materials they were using at the time or the fact that a, a bit of what they were doing hadn't been done before and they were trying to do some crazy stuff with weights if maybe not in function certainly in number and at the time launched with a an extreme extreme price tag and how extreme was it? So compared to the market at like a PXG iron cost what and Man. everything else, Mizuno, Titleist, TaylorMade, Cobra, yeah, I'm going, you know, I, Ping, Callaway, I, whatever. I feel like the the irons were they four three fifty four hundred four. They were over four hundred each when they launched. Might even been more than that. And then you know, fairway woods were five, I think something, and they're out. The driver was eight. 850 something so call like it, that it was the irons were 3x more or less what was on the market maybe not driver quite. 2x for the most part yeah they were certainly premium priced a magnitude that we hadn't seen before what we had seen at that time a little bit was exotic companies some companies from japan that had different things and we won't get into all the reasons for those prices today because there are different market factors and things in play there that, that drove that pricing model but this was a company that number one nobody had ever heard of before right it was a brand new company to market there was no heritage no history it didn't purchase inventory of a defunct company that went out of business like la golf did with matrix shafts or something like that so this is literally I mean, to an extent that's almost it wasn't defunct but it's even kind of how Nike started its golf business was by purchasing a, a smaller golf company. Correct. So these guys, out of, uh, for most people, out of left field, no history, no heritage, no brand, you know, et cetera, and then comes in the market and does say, okay, hey, we're going to, you know, God, would be foolish to go into TaylorMade's backyard and try to beat them at TaylorMade's game, these industry behemoths. Nope. We're actually going to go twice over that three times over that you're charging 100 125 we're going to do the same thing that yeti did when yeti came to market do you know the average price of a cooler when yeti came to market with it is roughly 300 dollars? 35 yeah it was about 10 percent. it was about 10 percent. so they literally Coleman. came in 10x Coleman. yeah so psg comes in unknown unproven all this stuff whatever and you can, you know, Tony and I collaborated on a couple articles over the years, PXG Effect, looking at a couple things. Again, we can post some of those links below. We kind of go through through that history. But it's really an evolution, almost charting the evolution of, you know, sort of again. It's fascinating. PXG, WTF. 
WTF. So that's where it starts. Makes a lot of noise. Obviously divisive. Obviously a lot of that on purpose, intentionally done. Garners a tremendous amount of attention. A lot good, some bad. Again, very divisive. And let's say now we're on Gen 5, right? We're basically into its fifth generation of product, more or less. It kind How of would... some, yeah, four and a half, right? They kind of skipped five or four <laughs> with the with the metal ones. The protos were the Gen 4, but whatever, yeah. Fifth yep. generation of... So call it Generations 2 through three and a half, four, whatever. How would you describe that era, that kind of middle chunk? Because then we'll get to this last chunk now that we're trying to figure out. What would you call that, call it Gen 2 through Gen 3.5, maybe 4? Sort of a leveling off and then an exploration of different parts of the market. So again, that, that first generation, even Gen 2, was like, we're going to price this way up here. And it kind of slowly came down towards the market. And I would say that two, three, four era is where things kind of leveled off. You know, the, the $850 driver wasn't going to fly. Uh, especially if if you're going to look at a mistake that the company made, it was that first driver. Just one of those. I mean, it, it reminds me of like a Titleist 915, 917, kind of that era where it's just kind of like, slow, hey, kind of spinny, kind yeah, of average. Slow and, slow and spinny. And, you know, it, it worked for the guy it worked for. But if you weren't that guy and, and, and you there probably weren't, weren't that guy. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was going to be short and spinny and. And you're so going to get beat by TaylorMade, Callaway, et cetera. You name it, you're going to get beat by everybody. And so that was, yep. that was kind of the, for me, that's the big whiff in the history of PXG. And I think it still haunts them a little bit in terms of perception, mm -hmm. but, you know, steadily better. And again, that leveling off and now, and that's also when we talk at that Gen 3, 4, that's where we started to see kind of this 0 to 11 fork. Okay. Yeah, we're going to so, do this other thing. Okay. So let's, again, pause for a little context. You had this premium line, right? You said it started way up here. Bob, uh, Bob Parsons, founder, uh, CEO, owner, every, CEO, owner, chief CEO, cook and bottle washer, or whatever you want to call it. Had this, you know, at the very beginning, really wanted people to attach Ferrari as a type of, I guess, parallel entity. Like, hey, you know, Ferrari doesn't go to the Detroit Auto Show. PXG doesn't go to uh, the industry PGA show, right? And things like you don't see that, right? So the idea was, hey, we build it, we make it, then we price it based on what that needs to be. We don't have a price first and then work backward from there. We work up from the bottom. We build it exactly how we want Zero to. Constraints. Zero constraints. Zero constraints. Figure out that's, the margin. That's the talking point. Yep. So that series existed as, as you know the premium line and that was you know 0311 0341 0317 um 0811 0811 yep and then we get within this last generation and a half give or take 0211 which is a departure from this flagship line all the bells and whistles right it is the the cream of the crop it is the top shelf, et cetera. 0211 is not that, right? So what is 0211? It's one of the, I guess it, it's, in simple terms, it's PXG's value line. And it's, with that in mind, it's it's designed to sort of, and there's no segmentation. There's no like 
XPT, XP, Kunis. So you don't have the XF driver. It's a, it's a one, one product to rule them all, fit them all kind of thing. So it's, you have designs meant to kind of fit a wide swath of golfers. With the new generation, you're starting to see a cutback on the bells and whistles with the, with the original X, uh, 0211 irons and, and even the current ones, you see kind of them using what is prior gen PXG technology. Still really good. Some people actually prefer it to the newer stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, preference and, and again, fitting to a degree. So they're using a little bit of their older technology in the irons. They're, they're cast, not forged. And it's things like that. And with the new stuff, which we'll talk about here in more detail, no weights. We're going to take all the movable weights out of a PXG. Mm-hmm. That, that's wild. Never thought I'd see that. With the fairway woods and hybrids now, they're using glued hosels. So it's it's little things that that reduce cost, but they're not necessarily sacrificing on the quality of the materials. Yeah, this stuff, they're not using the carbon fiber crowns, but it's it's a high-grade titanium. It's the same stuff as you'd see in, in most anybody else's premium lineup, and in some cases, even better. Just a little bit different look. They're still robotically polished. They're maintaining those same tolerances. It's just being offered at a lower price point. Which we're going to get to here in a second, because pricing is a... It seems very simple, and, and it really is, but it can actually be a little more complex than people want to want to make it out to be. For but, sure, for sure. But before we get get into that part of it, with O two eleven, you know, and we talk about you mentioned things like adjustable weighting schemes, right? From from its inception, that that's been a hallmark, right, of, of PXG <laughs> visually. You know, it's you had all the, the rivets. Thong. Yeah, the entire soul was weights. You know, I think that's how I choose to remember it. Maybe too many, right? Um, and, and not too many in the sense of like, just oh my gosh, there's way too many of these. But to be beneficial to a fitter or like to the end user, like okay, how much weight do we actually need to be able to move to impact performance in in a way that's demonstrably different than than something else? And does that even matter? And can fitters even use it correctly? And I mean, all these things. But the idea of movable, you know, movable weights and irons and in wedges, etc hallmark of pxg right so on the 0211 series in general what should consumers expect not to see that they might otherwise see in a pxg flagship you know like basically questions hey what am i giving up if i'm going to pay less for something and i'm getting a quote unquote lesser product okay what am i actually giving up you're losing some carbon fiber this time around. So you don't have the carbon fiber crown. Okay. You don't have an adjustable hosel on the fairway woods or hybrids. Okay. And you don't have any movable weights anywhere in the line. Okay. So, so let's just, and there it is, right? There's your. Okay. So of that, and this gets us nicely into this current generation of 0211, of what consequence are each of those things, Tony? So talk through each of those specifically. So let's let's go just first to the adjustable hosel. We have that in the driver, correct? But not in fairway wood hybrid? Yes. yes. Okay. So you can still adjust for loft lie, et cetera, in the driver as you've been able to before. Not in the fairway wood, not in the hybrid. Of what loss or concern is that? It's, it's reduced fitting functionality. I think that's, that's a big one, right? Weights, movable weights don't make a driver, a fairway wood, whatever it happens to be inherently better. Drivers, no club is inherently better because it has a movable weight in it. It's that ability to dial that weight, move it around, which 
Research has shown time and time and time again that if a golfer goes into a golf shop, buys a club off the rack, movable weights, takes it home, he doesn't touch those weights. Right. Most golfers don't know what to do with those weights. They're sort of like this interesting little accessory piece that, that never gets used. So in a fitting environment, they're beneficial off the rack. And I, I assume a lot of this, and I, and I think this is the intent of the O211 line. I think a lot of this, the expectation is it's going to be bought off the rack or on the website in the case of PXG. And so you, you could argue that there's, if you expect that that is your typical customer, you don't need the movable weights. And as far as the hosel goes, yes, yeah, same, same type of thing. The off the rack buyer probably, unless he's knowledgeable, but your typical average, whatever you want to call it, off the rack buyer is never, ever going to adjust that hosel. Right. And then the other piece of that is from a performance perspective, there is typically some benefit in having that hosel glued over adjustable just from the weight savings alone. So you're, you know, that, that hosel is more weight for sure than, than not having it, just gluing it into the head. And so that yeah. when you have an adjustable hosel, depending on who is, whose it is and how much weight is there, it does raise the center of gravity, which typically lowers launch, increases spin, maybe pulls the weight to the heel a little bit, which can be beneficial, but you, know, you can do that other ways. So it, it's who is the intended audience? If it is, as I yeah. suspect it is, kind of the off the rack on the web buyer, I guess is now probably the modern version of that guy. Right. Then it's you're you're cutting costs to an extent, to no small extent, when you look at these prices, passing those savings onto the consumer and not taking away anything that most golfers buying this product were going to use. And of course, it can be fit, you know, they, these are going to be in fitting cards. Right. Um, so you will have the option to try them again. You're just losing primarily the movable weights in terms of functionality and the, and the rest. Yeah. Weight is currency when it comes to designing clubs right and, and there's only so much of it and how you move weight around in a head ultimately impacts performance and we don't talk about this a ton we oftentimes we just talk about having an adjustable hosel as like clearly the better option but you point out something that i want to circle back to that's important which is those adjustable hosels right the the tip adapters are heavier in, in a lot of cases, right, than just having a glued hosel. So you're taking some of that currency, some of that weight that you need to use in order to create the adapter to put in the hosel to offer that adjustability. And then maybe you have to do something else in that design, like use carbon, more carbon in the crown or other places, right, to try and maybe offset that additional weight that now you've pulled towards the hosel and you know probably slightly higher up in the head as well in order to offset that so it's not necessarily only good or only bad but that kind of gets to the carbon fiber piece in the top as well all titanium versus all titanium, all titanium versus titanium and carbon oh, again of what concern if i'm that consumer should I care that it doesn't have carbon fiber in, in the top or in the sole, or I can't see nice, cool <laughs> you mesh should, thing, You should you know? care about whether or not it has carbon fiber in it as much as you should care whether or not your iron has tungsten in it. That That's kind of how I look at it. It's What if it doesn't say tungsten? Yeah, why would you buy an iron? If, if you don't stamp tungsten and forged and, you know, some other 
proprietary nonsense on the housel. I don't know why you would buy that club. But, why even buy it? Yeah. No, it's one of those things like it, the club is either going to perform for you or it's not. And it's not going to come down to whether or not it has carbon fiber. It's the allocation of weight within the head, the center of gravity, which is all part of the design anywhere anyway. Right. And again, we obviously haven't MOI tested this. We haven't CG, CG tested it. Right. But my hunch here is that this is going to be a very middle of the road CG. Neutral, not, neutral, 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 neutral. Right. If you're not trying to do anything wild, if you're not trying to push it super low, if you're not trying to go super back, those kind of weight savings and, and the other thing here, weight savings with carbon fiber, it's minimal. Why use carbon, right? It's lighter and stronger than steel, clearly, and titanium, but it's also more expensive. So if you don't need to use it, why would you? Right. And um, it, it's not like the whole industry has moved away from titanium, like it's never used. Titleist right. still titanium. Ping right up until certainly looks like the G, what, 430? 430, 430, 430. I think it's 430. 425. Yeah, we I knew we skipped, so we skipped 420. We skipped. Why was that? Um, so right, so they're, they're going to have carbon, it looks like, for the first time in, in a long time, but you know, titanium is still, it's not uncommon. It can be less expensive, but again, it's, it's all what you're trying to do with the material. And based on what I think PXG is trying to do here, no, no reason to kind of chase those mass property benefits. Okay. So it's one of those things like, oh, well, they, they, they cut back a little bit. Oh, it makes sense given the price point, but at yeah. the same time for where this sits in the market, I think it makes sense. Oh, two eleven now exists as like you said kind of the the value line and that's what we're going to talk about moving forward here gen 5 current day 2022 end of 2022 pxg is currently a flagship series that is now entirely under which number tony oh three eleven okay which so was have... the originally just irons now it's oh three eleven everything Yep, so 0311 is the overarching uh, umbrella for its flagship line of equipment, which is priced for the most part. Well, I mean, so I'm looking now, PXG Gen 5 drivers now 399 down from 499 And I don't know, I'd be shocked if there's a new Gen 6 lineup in the spring. I think this is probably going to be a two-year cycle. I could be wrong. Fairly Nothing. Worked. I'm not going to hazard a guess. And even, even if they, yeah, even if PXG <laughs> says it's a two-year cycle, in six months it could change. Two ninety-nine. Um, but when it came out, when it irons, when it first came yeah, out, it was, you know, six five fifty, whatever it was. Okay, so metalwoods more or and less. Not, but I mean, irons, irons still holding it at three fifty each, unless unless you buy five or more, and there, you're seeing a lot of this in the PXG pricing model too, where if if you buy five irons, which who doesn't? Are you going to buy four? I just want I want the four, six, eight, and wedge. I just want the. But that's evens. if you buy five Gen five irons, then they'll they'll give you bigger discounts on other stuff. So even the one that kind of stuck out to me was the Sugar Daddy two, which mm -hmm. is typically a four hundred forty nine product, four hundred forty nine dollar product. You yep. buy Sugar Daddies with five Gen five irons. And they're only two twenty nine, which is still sixty seventy bucks more than uh, sixty yeah, yeah. sixty bucks more than the, the typical. But 
Okay, so for all intents and purposes, then, based on how people normally buy products, and, and I'm not saying this is across the board all the time, but typically you buy a set of irons, you're buying at least five irons. If you're going to buy those irons and you buy the wedges at the same time, point being, if you want to get PXG's absolute best flagship equipment, you're going to pay the same as you would pay with a Titleist, Callaway, TaylorMade, etc. Maybe plus a shade more. Like we're talking 40, 50 bucks. This isn't the everybody else is at 100 to $150 for, for an iron. And now you're 2X, 3X, 4X that. You're basically, it's a luxury tax. There's a, a 10% luxury tax. I mean, well, that would, if you look at it, functionally, it's a, it's a full bag incentive program. So it starts at the hybrid. Right, so hybrids are two ninety nine each, but okay. they're two twenty nine if you buy five or more irons. And yeah, you know, wedges are cheaper when you All buy right. five or more irons. It's it's like just we're gonna give you a discount and hope you buy more. The more you buy, the more you save. Is hey, is, that's I weird. Guess. So this leads into our first question, which we're finally circling back to, which is WTF comma PXG. So what is going on? Because part of uh, part of where this came up for me. I, you posted something on, I think it was the O211 drivers, the, and I yeah, thought it was the, a, the I thought it was previous, a misprint. <laughs> I was previous like previous generation O211. So the stuff that would have been, I don't know if we tested. I think we tested it in the most recent, most wanted. Tested really well, I thought, especially yeah. for it was already kind of an inexpensive product offering. Right. Um, I thought a strong performer. Again, if you're trying to fit that middle of the bell curve, I think they did a really good job there. And now it is on sale for how much? One hundred and nineteen dollars. One hundred and nineteen dollars for not just I, a driver, but what I would argue is a pretty good driver. At at one hundred and twenty bucks, it's it's almost like throwaway money to try it. I can't I can't take my seven daughters and family through McDonald's for one hundred and twenty dollars. Right? I mean, I can't list all the things you can't buy. For $120. And I look at that, and this is the first time, you know, we started getting a lot of comments, people feeding back, you know, da-da. well, are they going out of business? Is this a fire sale? Is That's this, not, you know, not da-da-da-da. the first time we've heard that. Like, no. I don't understand the pricing model, therefore they're going out of business. Cause that that's as much as my mind can work around that. Yeah. All I can handle. Right. The guy, Bob's a billionaire because he has no idea how to run businesses. Uh, got it. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So they sold out of the fairway <laughs> woods, by the way. So the old Gen 2 fairway woods have sold out, but they still have hybrids left for $149. $89. 89 bucks. $89 hybrids. And That's again, ridiculous. like I've, I mean, you've heard me since Gen 1 talk about you how love their hybrids. I love, I love their hybrids. Their hybrids I, are, I, for my money, yeah, I, I'm Absolutely. just a PXG hybrid fan. I think probably. So, Tony, what is going yeah. on? What clearly they're going they out of business. It's the only explanation, Chris. <laughs> it's the, the only <laughs> reason why anybody would sell a golf club for that little money is that they are going out of business. That is right. the only explanation. And to buy into that explanation, you have to just look beyond the fact that PXG continues to launch new clubs, which is really weird for a company that's gone out of business. But they do that. Right, Todd and. They are continuing to hire people, which again, odd. odd behavior for a company that's going out of business. But if you right. believe that that is the only explanation for low prices, we got to run with it. Yep. They keep opening retail locations, which I was just at TaylorMade tried that and failed. Yep. Callaway tried that and closed them all. Yep. PXG has not failed yet. I don't know. I'm I continues just to open stores. Yeah. 
And, and just, yeah. but some people look at that $119 driver and go, that's it. They're, they're flailing, they're failing, whatever F word you want to use. They're, they're, they're floating. <laughs> so so that, why, why would a company do that? I mean, I get, okay. The most basic explanation, right? That, that going out of business, going out of business, but yeah, people do this all it. the time. We see liquidations, you know, you go to the store, you shop, you know, go to the store, you shop on the clearance rack, previous version stuff. Okay. Yeah. We're going to, every golf company does this. We're going to get rid every, of it. We're going to lower the price. Go until look we, at, yeah. I mean, I just got an alert. The Maverick right now, two mm-hmm. years old, another price drop on that. So the, the yeah. only difference between what PXG is doing and what everybody else does is how extreme I think I'm supposed to scream <laughs> that, right? <Yep>. Extreme. <laughs> there you the go. discount is, but again, it's, it's standard operating procedure. It's just, uh, it's just hack away with a bigger knife. Okay, but this current generation O211, the new stuff coming out, isn't exactly at a premium price point. So it I, is it, not. So it still begs some of those same questions. Okay, liquidation aside, I think people can hopefully wrap their heads around that a little bit. But now we have brand new O211, hundred and forty nine dollars. Okay, so subtract. I mean, that's so you, now help you, me out. You can buy two of these, and you're still a hundred under a. Uh, new TSR, new TSR, a stealth, right? You're you're going to be you're, you're going to be fifty to hundred bucks under everybody else that's this, coming out with a new driver. So again, this one's glued, so I don't have much flexibility here. But there's your fairway wood. Okay, how much? Two thirty nine. Same for the hybrid. All right. So so now you're getting a little closer to industry average. You're still below it. Well below it. But well below it. But let's answer that. So I get the liquidation part of it. That makes sense. So why would a company like PXG that by all indications, right? Premium price point. This is where it started. Why would they launch a new line that golfers sit there and go, are they losing money on that? How can you possibly price something that's going to, again, we haven't tested it. So we don't know. I don't know if that driver is going to be really good or really shitty or whatever, but let's assume it's at least as good as the previous version 0211, which was actually pretty damn good. And well, really, and I really would say right, this, this new one, this new one has to be better because I mean, if you cannot beat a hundred and nineteen dollar driver, right? What the hell are we doing here? Like, just, so how does so how how can they do this? How can how can they come out with this and say, hey, here you go, we're going to launch this 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 flagship line of value based equipment? Yes, but when we start to run the numbers and you start to look at it, you go based on what we know about at least what we can about pricing and, and kind of the inner workings that you're going, this math isn't adding up. So explain it's, it to me. It is, it is tricky math. And so at some point you, you sort of have to trust the math, even if you don't answer it. So I'm going to, I'm going to take over hosting duties very briefly and I'm going to okay. ask you a okay. quick series of questions. I'm ready. Before Bob Parsons was a billionaire, what was he? Not a billionaire. He All was right. a hundredaire. He was a millionaire. He was a millionaire. Was. Yep. And before he was a millionaire, what was he? A hundredaire. A hundred thousandaire. But but what did he do for a living? He did uh he did computer stuff. Before that. Before he started programming. What before did he Bob started programming, he was a bricklayer. He laid no, bricks. That you made that up. He, I made that up. He was in a, he did accounting stuff. He did actually Bob was stuff. an accountant. Yeah, he did actual stuff, right? Bob knows the numbers. Maybe yeah, not good with small numbers anymore, 
but Bob is a numbers guy. And mm-hmm. so fundamentally, I don't believe that he would do this if he didn't see a way in which the numbers work. And again, you know, some of these calculations may be based on a calculated best case scenario type of risk. And, and Bob is certainly not risk averse. True. So I think fundamentally it starts with the math. And then you have to look at other aspects of PXG's business, which are unique. The first, and this is huge in terms of how you can cut costs, they don't take part. They don't play their traditional retail distribution game. And that's a huge deal. That is a massive consideration in all this, right? So they're not, I mean, I don't know what the number is. Once upon a time, 30 to 35% was the number that was thrown around in the golf industry. mm -hmm. And again, some of that depends on volume and all of that stuff, but we will plus or minus 35%. Bob is not giving 35% of his potential profit to retail. So, I mean, you can do the math quickly, but if I start at say 550, right. Take away 150 bucks, but you know, at least, okay. Now you're down to 400. And then you look at, at some of it. And again, you're just trimming off little bits here and there. And, and you're, you're definitely not going to get a number that necessarily works until we get to the second piece of this. Okay. When TaylorMade wants to make a TV commercial. Okay. Callaway wants to make a TV commercial. Titleist mm-hmm. wants to make a TV commercial. What do they do? Mm-hmm. They hire a production company, outsource it, get their tour pros to come in, do that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they... And what does Bob do? He, oh, goes to another company that he Calls already up owns. Calls Big. That he already owns. Right. Calls and says, and says and then, hey. And again, there may be some accounting <laughs> where, you know, one hand... Rob Peter to PayPal. I, but... I, I just moved the cash from my right hand to my left hand. Right. But he owns part of that whole production chain and sort of cranking up the yeah. golf market. Vertical machine. integration. So... Right. He's... I, Cost savings there that, to my knowledge, nobody else has. And again, it's not like this huge thing. But it's and then and, and then the last piece of it is all right. How do we how do we get to these price points? Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe breaking even. I think they were probably barely breaking even on the previous O two eleven. I think that was mm-hmm. probably. And again, you know, break even points here a little lower because they've taken out that carbon fiber. They've taken out that yeah. adjustability. So right. they, they shoved that break even point down a little bit. But I, I think it's also probably a loss leader. Meaning think, what? So I there's going to be some people that get that, some people that maybe don't totally they get They very how well that works. may lose money or close to it on the O211 line, breaking and even or worse. Why sell a product to lose Two money? words, customer acquisition. And I, right. you know, Bob, Bob talked, has talked to us about this before, the idea that and and back when when everything was premium priced back you know mm-hmm. when that gen 1 gen 2 and even into gen 3 before 0211 before we started seeing prices come down the whole idea is how do i get you into the pxg thing? how do i make you a <laughs> how do i enlist you as a member of the pxg troops part of the troops yeah right how do you, how yeah. do i get you in there and back right. in those days it was a hat you know mm-hmm. that was the example he used as like hey maybe a guy can't afford a pxg driver but you know, maybe, maybe he'll buy a hat. And we saw some of that. See, it, you know, you sort of saw that, that weird little PXG subculture take off on Instagram back in, you know, I say back in the day, it was like a handful of years ago, but these right. weren't even golfers necessarily, but there was just something about the brand that, that had some appeal. Yeah, it resonated. So they, yeah. they bought hats. And, and this whole idea of like, how do I get you in the door has evolved now to golf clubs and 
I'll give you a perfect example of how I believe Bob wants this to work with every new entry-level PXG cousin, uh, customer there is. Which is like how yep. my so cousin Bob Marcus, my cousin Marcus, who may or may not actually be my cousin. There's some, <laughs> uh, you know, some questionable research on one of those those websites where you look up your twenty three and me or whatever. Whatever it is, like I, you know, these genealogy websites. My mother's friends, who's probably equally as crazy as my mother, maybe more so, drew some lines. Anyway, so I anyway, may or Marcus. may not be related to my cousin Marcus. Okay. But Marcus needed a new fairway. I think it was a fairway. It, it would make sense to me. It was a fairway wood because he was playing like an R9 Let's go with or R7. It or doesn't something. matter. Some Let's relic fairway wood. Okay. Didn't know what he wanted. He was like, oh, I'm going to try this PXG. Why? Because it's cheap. And I'm curious. Low Fair prices enough. and curiosity. Interesting combination. Well, he Fair bought enough. it. Guess what? He really likes it. And so now he needs a hybrid. Mm -hmm. And guess where he's going? He's going to PXG. Right. And next time he, he needs irons, I think he's probably going to look really hard at because right? he, he got a good deal. And maybe he just keeps buying the cheap stuff. Or maybe he goes, hmm, you know what? I'm, I may be curious about this this Gen 5 stuff or Gen 6 maybe at the time. Right. And maybe he buys it, maybe he doesn't. But that that's all, I think, part of the calculation here uh -huh. is what is the value of a customer? Because, hey, if I, let's say I lose $50 on a driver. I sold a driver below cost. Mm -hmm. I lost $50 on this, but I acquired a customer. Right. If my formula, and I had no idea what these formulas say. I remember, you know, several years ago as we were growing our email list. At right. that time, the value of an email address was $7. I don't know why I remember that, but that's what it was. At that time, one email address, if I had your email address, it was worth $7 to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know how the math works. I don't know how you convert it, but that's what we were told. $7. At that time, yeah. So what is the value of a customer? Is it $100? If it is, let's say I have a customer. He's a happy customer. I have his contact info. I'm going to email him. I'm going to send Lifetime him. Lifetime value of that customer is $100. If it's, if it's $100, I made $50 on that driver. Mm -hmm. Just and, by acquiring. Again, we're extrapolating this over, you know, tens of thousands and, and hope, you know, potentially even larger numbers than that. Right. So it's not that it's that customer. It's that over, if I acquire 50,000 new customers this year, and some of you are sitting there going, this isn't new. It's not. You're right. But it's you don't see new. the golf at this level. Right. You don't, because you have to appease shareholders and, and things like that. It's, but it's you've very all, difficult. We've all gone to the grocery store, right? And I actually remember working in a grocery store as, as a bag groceries or whatever. And I remember asking my boss, guy, I still remember his name. His name was Bob Fancook and good old Bob. That's you the real make name. Up names. <laughs> no, this is the real name, name. Real name. And I remember we were selling uh we were selling milk and it was like ninety-nine cents or a dollar and twenty-nine cents a gallon or something like that. Ridiculous low price. Anyway, long story short was he said, Yeah. I'm losing, you know, 30 cents a gallon, whatever it was on that. But it's in the back of the store. It's here. What that person has to do is two things. Number one, they're going to buy something else just because they're there, right? Secondarily, they're going to walk by all these other end caps and things that we have on sale that are much higher margin. And I know that per person that comes in, they're going to buy X amount. So it's a volume game. I just need to get more people in. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to do a couple things 
that are super kid friendly so that people are going to want to buy, want to bring their kids with them. Because we know for every additional kid you bring into a store, you spend $5 more on that particular purchase, whatever it is. So you bring in two that, kids. That's you, probably why when my wife brings my daughter and I <laughs> with her grocery shopping, it's at least 10 bucks. It is. So they know the math works. So bigger picture. But in this context, the suggestion is, right, It's it doesn't matter. If you acquire that customer on Facebook, there's a cost to it. If you acquire that customer by buying an email list or doing whatever it is to get people through the turnstiles into your amusement park, there's a cost to you as a business to get those people in your ecosystem. Now, whether how you pay for that. I'm going to sell you a low margin product or maybe even a no margin product. And then the hope is like, hey, maybe maybe you're going to like this or as part of your order, you're going to buy a hat. You know what? It's not a lot of money, but a hat, that is a high margin product. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And you're going to come into one of my new retail stores and you're going to do a fitting. And, and maybe you buy everything you got in that fitting. And even if you don't, maybe you buy some of this apparel, a golf bag, again, a hat. One shirt. Maybe they say, hey, you buy Get one you piece of in apparel. The door. It's yeah. all about getting golfers through the PXG door. Mm -hmm. Are we going to see this, Tony, from more golf companies? Do you nope. think nope. that? Nope. No. -uh. Why not? So, but, okay, let me, let me argue this or ask you this. Every other golf company wants this, right? Everybody wants people to buy into their ecosystem. There's nothing that Cobra Golf wants more than for somebody to also buy Puma gear, right? And they want, everybody would love it if they would buy the full bag, right? TaylorMade, they want people all in on everything TaylorMade has, right? Callaway wants you to play Callaway stuff, get an OGO backpack, right? Wear Callaway gear, and then on your way home, stop for some light beer and fajitas at Topgolf, right? All of them want these all-in consumers, people that are bought into the identity of that entire company. So why not? Yes. So why not? Why won't we see this from other companies then? I think the biggest obstacle is that every one of those companies you mentioned are still, say, invested, but I think entangled is probably a better word at this point, with the traditional retail distribution model. So if Bob wakes up one morning, and I almost feel like this is exactly what happened, he's like, you know what? I got this 0211 stuff coming, this new stuff. I don't know what I'm going to sell it for yet because, I mean... By the way, I told you 249. That's the latest pricing. This is a day before launch. We're recording this. So if it's 269, <laughs> it's not my fault. If it's 229, <laughs> not my fault. It's, but again, it's this happened is how, before. It's happened yeah, oh before. My God, this is how. Hey guys, it's Tony. Apologies for the brief interruption, but we do, in fact, as expected, have an update to PXG 0211 pricing. The driver will be just $219 at launch. It has a list price of $299. I don't know if it will ever actually be that price, but that's what is on the website. Fairways, $169, list price $249, and hybrids, $149 with a list price of $249 as well. All of these come with free shipping and a 60-day 100% money-back guarantee, so... You know, the idea again, happy customers. If you don't love it, send it back. With that out of the way, let's get back to no putts given. PXG operates almost almost on the whimsy of Bob to a degree. And I think there are instances where maybe that has been 
an obstacle to growth in some cases, mm -hmm. but it also gives them, it, there's plenty of flexibility. So going back to not being entangled in that retail chain, if Bob mm -hmm. wakes up and says, you know what, I, I want to get rid of my old inventory to make room for my new stuff, which is what every golf company does. Right. And I'm going to discount it to 119. Or if he says, you know what, today's Wednesday and I'm going to have a Wednesday sale. Wednesday only sale on my new driver. I'm going to knock $150 off just because I'm, I woke up on Wednesday and I'm feeling good. He can do that because right. he's not entangled with retail. Whereas if you want to make that same change, especially if it's a sudden retail adjustment, that's like trying to turn a barge around in the middle of the Suez canal. Yeah. It's just, it cannot be done. You got to back that thing out and it's, and you got to credit everybody and somehow do the make rights. Well, you know, you guys bought it for this amount, but then we discounted it, which erased your margins. And so now I got to figure out how to pay you back. And that's. And by the way, I want to buy. I need you to buy more of my stuff for 2023 here in which a couple Which is exactly months. if we go way back how the industry almost imploded. It was that kind right. of stuff trying to figure out how to make sudden changes and get right with retail and all that stuff. If you don't have those headaches, the flexibility it gives you. Nobody else in golf, like at of PXG size, sub right. 70 can do it. Sure, they New can. New level can do it. Sure, they can. Dean Snell with his golf balls can do it if he could get them made. All right. But like right. that's 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 kind of the flexibility of being this this a company that doesn't play in that traditional retail game. You have that flexibility. And like I said, I think it, it's, it's when you have it's crazy. But when you have a board of one the executive meetings aren't very long, right? So Bob would always say, say, hey, you know, board, our board meetings aren't very long because it's me. And, yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> like, I, th I think Bob listens to his people, but it's it's not a democracy. No. There's no voting. It's a Bobocracy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and like you said, at times, maybe has that hampered growth in certain things? Probably, very likely it has. But on the other hand, like I said, it affords them an uncommon latitude within the industry to be as nimble as they are, but yet as big and impactful as they are. Like it's such a interesting dichotomy in terms of existing in between, right? A lot of these larger companies that we talk about, but baby, you know, basically eschewing the existing retail model in a way and, and just showing every single day over and over and over all the shortcomings of that existing model. And my sense is Bob is just laughing all the way to the bank. I think that's, I think you're right. And I think the industry has been very, very slow and you know, COVID. I think everybody long-term will actually benefit this because it has been such an accelerator. Yeah. But we all knew like brick and mortar was almost dead. If I'm going to go get fit, Personally, I'm calling Ian Frazier. I'm like, I'm going to go to Toronto at this point if I'm not going to TPI or to Scottsdale National and, and do it. Yeah, I'm going thing. to TruSpec or – Yeah, yeah that's TruSpec, club champion. Like that's that's kind of where you're going for that premier fitting experience. Right. Everything else off the rack can be done online. Yeah. And if I'm Callaway, I'm making a hell of a lot of that more money if you buy that club from yes. me than if you buy it from Dick's Sporting Goods. Right, or which is a PGA hard Superstore. position for them to be in, right? Because right. you can't at one point. I'm giving say, you hey, a lot of money, and arguably, there's no reason to anymore. No, 
No, thir- there's thir- at least, you know, we said plus or minus 35% that I'm literally just lighting on fire. So I guess maybe that's the other question. Do you think we'll see more and more of these large companies weigh that, you know, do the calculus, right? Do the math and say, we're going to quietly start to put more and more emphasis into DTC, getting people to our website. We understand that this is going to piss off the retail channels and and it isn't good ultimately for our retail partners. However, well, you are seeing retail evolve too. So I think, you know, I mentioned Dick's and not to pick on them, but they have worked to improve their fitting. Superstore, to their credit, I've heard from, from a couple of different industry sources, they don't want you to walk out of a, the store with a golf club you weren't fit for. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's how they want to sell a club. doesn't matter, mm-hmm. I mean it happens that way, but we still know most. I, I think it's still the majority. Maybe, yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. And, yeah. yeah, and it, it's nice to, I guess, have a, a spot where you can go bang balls and get a feel for them. Sure. But a lot of people, they know what they want before they hit it. Right. When TaylorMade Stealth came out, I mean, how many, how many golfers made that decision before they could actually buy it? You know, that pre-orders. Like, they, they killed it with that club, as an example, on pre-orders. Right. Sight unseen or just virtually That had seen, nothing to do with hit. fitting. Yeah, no, right. Clearly. So, and yeah. I think if you understand that that's a lot of my business, why am I giving that money to somebody else? Why? When, again, I can work that into calculation. Now, I could... And this is where, this is the PXG difference that, well, I could, I could sell my clubs for less because I'm right. not giving that money away. And I'm doing some other things that saves me money relative to my computer. I'm uh-huh. going to pass some, a lot. And in some cases, you know, you're not making money at 119. You're, you're losing money. You have so you're to be. eating right? costs. I'm giving some of that back to the golfer, which is, is crazy when you think about, we talked about where PXG started, 850 <laughs> driver for a driver, $500 irons, whatever, you know? Right. That, that was insane. Now they're kind of becoming the brand that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give these savings back to the golfer. Mm-hmm. And eventually golfers are going to catch on when they're seeing, you know what, I can get a brand new PXG driver and I don't know what the next gen driver is sell for. I think it'd probably be close to market average, but, you yeah. know, 0211 is at 250. These guys selling at six hundred. What? What? What are they? Yeah. What are they doing? How much? How much extra money, if you will, above and beyond? And you know, I think everybody. It only costs X to make a driver. Well, if it costs X to make a driver, you you can't really sell it for that, right? Unless you know you're you got your own math going on over here, but <laughs> because you've, you you got to pay the guys that that developed it, sure, and, and you got to pay all of the ancillary support staff, right? Sure, you do. Some of the cost of a driver goes to the HR department and the finance guys, right? You have to pay all marketing. those people, right? Marketing, those, advertising. But yeah, everybody knows about marketing, but you don't think about the other stuff too. Like you have to have an HR department. You have to have a finance department. You have to have billing people and you know warehouse people. Everybody has to get paid. So you can't sell a driver for exactly what it costs to produce it. Right. Um, right. But in some cases, like I said, you can... You can pick products, and I think this is what PXG's done. Like, I'm going to eat this. I'm going to eat the profits on this. I'm maybe even going to lose money. Yeah. On this. I'm going to I'm going to make a lot of profit elsewhere in my lineup because I've got. Yeah. I'm still making money on Gen Five. I need and more people a, in the door. I, I need mean, more I'm people selling, in the stadium. I'm selling shorts for what a hundred and one twenty at least. I thought maybe even yeah. one sixty, and yeah. you don't have to sell many of those to to make up that driver difference. Okay. Uh, so Just I mean, there are get- other ways to make money, but it's. It's wild, man. It's a wild ride at PXG. 
sometimes I'm get like, me in the door. Like you said, mm-hmm. think about it. And for, for as much as we talk about equipment and stuff, it's not about the equipment, right? It's the, the big picture. It's about getting people into the ecosystem, get them on the team and let it go. Right. I mean, you that. must know guys. I know guys where, Hey, this guy had a, had a full bag of Callaway clubs. Yeah. And then, and then one, two, three years down the road, he had yeah. a full bag of old Callaway clubs. Mm-hmm. And then the next year he had a full bag of new Callaway new. clubs. Absolutely. Because he was a, he, he bought Callaway. I don't know what he paid for, it, but he liked it. Right. He felt mm-hmm. good about it. He yeah. yeah. Felt some sort of connection with the brand and he yes. became a Callaway guy. And there are yep. tailor-made guys and there are Titleist guys. And so, mm-hmm. you know, PXG is trying to develop a, an entire platoon of PXG guys, albeit in a, in a way that's a little bit different than, than how the rest of the industry operates. But yeah, you, if you look at that yeah. 119 price tag and go, they're going out of business, they're having trouble <laughs> selling stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're missing the point. <laughs> I mean, at some point, right? This is, I mean, I go back to when PXG launched. They're not going to last a year. They're going to be yeah. out of business in two years. They're not going to last five years. Well, now we're we're rolling in. I think year eight. Like, all right, guys, you don't like the one nineteen? You think <laughs> it's a sign that this brand is imploding? Yeah. What's you tell us in the comments if you think if you are one of those that believes PXG is imploding, give me the drop dead date. Yeah. You know what? What is what is the second number on that tombstone? We know when it was born. We can look that up. When right. does it die? Right. If you're so and there's convinced. Zero. That, yeah. Literally zero key staffers from that first group of, well, I mean, I guess keep Zach Johnson on there, but the tour staff, the tour staff, the other thing too, right? Totally PXG, flipped over. And this is, this is one of those interesting ripples where like, well, who plays it? I'm like, well, you know, they still have some guys and they have a lot of LPGA pros, but, mm-hmm. but Bob, Bob did a calculation. He did math. Cause that's what accountants do. Right. And he looked at what happened. People like to pretend PXG equipment is never one on tour. It has, it's one on the PGA. It's one on the LPGA yeah. tour. And he looked at yeah. what happened. What what was the trend in my sales when I when I won on PGA Tour? And guess what? Not Nothing. Bad. Nothing. And that's that's pretty much true. You know, occasionally something will happen with a weird one off putter. Right. But if you're looking for one off success related to the PG one PGA Tour guy winning one tournament, it right. doesn't happen. It does not nope. happen. And so it's you sort of just need a, a few guys to maintain credibility, and and depending on your mindset, you may say, hey, well, I don't like who plays PXG or they don't win enough or whatever the argument is. You can say, okay. all right, well, that, that's fine. I can't I can't dispute that. That's a very personal interpretation of the value of a tour pro. Right. But in terms of the actual monetary impact of a win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and other small calculations, too. Like, hey, you know what? The side of a guy's hat. I feel like that's, that's no worse than the front of the hat. A little bit non-traditional way of looking at, at sort of the value of TV time and things like that. Mm-hmm. But again, all of these are, are calculations. Little little bit of, you know, gambling and uh, there's always additional statements. If, yeah, you yeah. know, there's, there's some probabilities thrown in there into the math, but that is the math. Like, hey, if this is worth this. X, Y, and Z, and, you know, probably yeah. multiplied by pi somewhere in there because you always got to do that. But, yeah. I would love to hear too in the comments. Listen, like if you are somebody that is a brand type person, right? Where your 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 bag matches the you know 
the type of clubs that you play, or you have been fit for one and the other. You're like, nope, I, you like that. You you like the idea of I play Callaway stuff, I play Title stuff, I play TaylorMade stuff, you know, etc. Why is that? What what's attractive to you about that brand? Like, what is it about that company that really resonates with you? Because they said all companies are trying to do that and achieve it, and there's nothing any of those companies would like more than for the person who plays one wedge to ultimately get the other 13 clubs in their bag as well. That's what they want. So if you are that that person that's out there that, that's doing it, what is it about that company? You go, man, ping, I'm all in. If it's ping, I'm, ping I'm in. I'm a ping guy. Love it. Started with the ping hoofer, and I haven't turned back because I love the bag. And then I got, you know, like, what was it about that kind of that kind of drew you in there? Because I, it, it's interesting. It is interesting, Tony. Final thoughts? You have a final thought? Customer acquisition. That's it. Those are the two words. That's what it's about in this day and age. PXG, get, WTF, customer acquisition. That's Get in the stadium. We'll make it up on hot dogs and foam fingers. And, and light everything. beer. Lots of light beer. Lots of light beer, Tony. The occasional plate of fajitas. Let's get it. Tony Covey at Golf Spy T, Chris Nickel at Golf Spy C. Find us on the interwebs. Comment, like, and subscribe. All those things, please. If you got questions, tell us what you think. Stuff. Do you love PXG? Do you hate PXG? Love Are you here for the long term? Belly up. What's the drop dead date? I want to know. Yep. If they're going down, when are they dying? You let us know. Until next time, we out.